welcome to the episode of The Roundtable. My name is Lance Clark and I'm with Brock Crichton and we're joined today by two gentlemen and I'll let you guys introduce yourselves, please. Sure, yeah. Well, my name is uh, Dave White. I'm the uh, Director of Account Management and Marketing for Trinus Technologies and uh, one of the founding partners. I'm Chris Penn and I'm the Marketing Supervisor here at Trinus. Awesome. So thank you guys so much for coming on and uh, having us interview you like it means a lot to us like uh, what Brock was saying just before we started and um, just for the people listening can you give like a little bit of a background on Trinus like what are you guys what is your business like that kind sure of thing? well we're a managed uh, IT service provider uh, operating out of uh, Stony Plain Alberta um, our main market focus is municipal governments uh, throughout Alberta uh, we've been in business for uh, 21 years. We're selling, celebrating our 21st anniversary uh, this year. And uh, we have about, uh, coming on close to 50 municipalities in Alberta that we provide uh, managed services for, um, as well as a, uh, a strong contingent of small businesses in the greater parkland area. So um, cybersecurity is, uh, of course, a primary focus. Uh, nowadays managed services. We have our own data center where we actually host uh, applications uh, for a lot of our municipalities. Uh, disaster recovery, make sure your backups are working good, uh, those types of services. So if it's got an IT component or a flavor, that's us. You guys, you guys are the ones to turn to kind of thing for it. That's very well, cool. we hope so. Yeah, it sounds like it. So like you'd mentioned that we're in Stony Plain, like can you kind of elaborate on why Stony Plain? Why you chose like a smaller city to kind of create your business in? Well, I wish I could tell you it was for a, a strategic business decision, um, but it really wasn't. We started in Edmonton in a shared office space and we were there for uh, maybe about a year. Actually, before that, we started in our home. So there were uh, three founding partners, and we all kind of started working out of our, uh, our basements, our garage, whatever metaphor you want to use, uh, working for a handful of small business clients. And um, we came together as a, a team of three people. Um, two of us were um, highly technical, and one was uh, good with administration. And we can speak about that later. But we came together and we were working uh, basically just out of our homes. Finally went into a shared office environment in Edmonton in, West, in the West End. Worked there for a little bit of uh, about a year. And then we moved uh, out to Stony Plain. And why Stony Plain? Well, the answer was simple. We all live in the area. So, that makes sense. Yes. So you guys' like homes that you like started in the basement of were based here originally? Exactly. That's okay, right. yeah. cool. Yeah. So did you move to Edmonton because you thought, oh, that would be a, we're doing business now. We should move to a big city. Kind uh, of thing. It wasn't that at all. I think we were just looking for an economical shared office mm. space. So we, we wanted to have no more than just a, a small administration office. Um, and so we found a, a space in the West End um, where they, uh, they had several businesses uh, in, in one area, common receptionist, common mm -hmm. phone system, that type of thing. Um, and we started with one little office there, and then we were two offices there, and then we were four offices in there, and then we were taking over their boardroom. <laughs> and we decided this is just isn't going to work. Mm -hmm. And so we needed to find ourselves a permanent home. So finding like switching going from Edmonton to Stony Plain did you find like a shift in clientele did you find it harder to grow your business here because you mentioned that you were like taking everything over there and mm -hmm. now you guys have almost this whole lot taken over as well but. yeah it um, the the emphasis for our business even though we kind of started in our home and working for just anybody who would uh, darken our doorstep that type of thing well, we um, actually fell into an opportunity where we could start working for some municipal governments uh, in Alberta. So we were introduced into um, a couple of municipalities uh, that, and we could provide them with some IT services. And you got to remember 21 years ago, IT is a, uh, was a lot different than it is now. So it was all client server based and even municipal, municipal governments 
didn't have much for a technology. They might have had one server. Uh, their admin, admin team might have had uh, uh, you know, uh, some desktop computers, but there were no cell phones, there were no smartphones, there were no tablets. Uh, laptops looked more like suitcases than they did actual laptops uh, that, that we have today. So uh, technology 21 years ago in municipalities was pretty easy. And so it's something that we could start working with. So when we moved to Stony Plain, um, it didn't really matter where we were because we were dealing um, with clients who were all throughout Alberta at that time. And so where we had our offices wasn't really a big determining factor in the ability to grow our business because we were simply looking for more municipalities to do work for. So you did everything like very remote, like operations kind of thing. Yeah, certainly remote, but also a lot of hands-on work. Yeah. You know, we'd, uh, we'd jump in our vans or our trucks or whatever we had, and uh, we'd uh, go out on site if we needed to. Um, and even remote connection technology uh, back 21 years ago was a lot different. You gotta remember, 21 years ago, uh, internet connectivity into any place was through a telephone line Good and modems. Dial-up. Dial-up, yeah. exactly, yeah. So. So we couldn't really do a lot of remote support that way. A lot of times we just had to go on site. Okay, that's very cool. So, and like you mentioned in uh, kind of your introduction, the uh, that you have a lot of municipalities, but then you also have like a lot of local businesses Correct. as well. So do you find being in Stony Plain, like, because like I live in Spruce, um, so like I find that it's such like a tight-knit community of local businesses. Do you find that like really beneficial being out here as opposed to in... Edmonton, where it's like a lot more spread out and not as community focused. Well, certainly, the the community aspect out here is uh, very strong. Um, people do like to shop local, and so that provides an advantage for us in that we're only one of uh, I think three uh, businesses, uh, computer businesses in the uh, Parkland region, uh, Spruce Grove and Stony Plain. So that does provide um, a built-in advantage for us when we go to. Uh, talk to clients, potential clients uh, in this region, but by the same token, it shuts us out from other opportunities. So it's much more difficult for us to get clients in Edmonton, for example. Mm -hmm. We have to have a very strong connection to perhaps a business owner or a reason that uh, you know we could be an advantage for a client in the Edmonton region. Because you're right, in Edmonton, there's hundreds and hundreds of IT uh, companies that can provide that kind of service. Do you find that there's a lot of competition with IT companies in Edmonton, even for like local businesses here, like that they would rather do a company in the city? Uh, generally, the IT um, business doesn't work that way. Uh, IT for most businesses is a critical component. Um, most companies nowadays have to have IT um, to be uh, run a successful business. But by the same token, business owners or senior managers don't understand technology mm -hmm. and therefore they don't trust it. And what they're looking for is they're looking for a trusted partner, somebody that they can trust to come in and help manage this uh, black box that's called uh, IT. And so typically um, a business owner or a senior manager is looking for somebody that they trust so that means they're looking for a referral, they're looking for a friend, they're looking for an established track record of an IT business to be able to come in and help them with their technology problems. So referrals are huge in the IT business, not necessarily close proximity or um, you know, speed of service or the lowest price. A lot of times it is, what's the trust factor? That's very cool. I didn't actually think about that as like a like a trust thing because I feel like there's such like a almost like fear of businesses like that I've worked at of like oh we have to like call the IT guys and they're gonna tell us to turn it on and turn it off and then turn it on again and then that's pretty much it. It's like well we just wasted all this time on a phone call. So well sure, but there's yeah. a lot that goes on in the background um, that the yeah. average user just doesn't see. The manager knows about it because he's got to write the checks to so have that back-end support that's needed. So 
even though there, um, a lot of businesses are in the cloud or you know do uh, web-based applications, there's still a lot of local infrastructure that's needed in a business. Mm -hmm. So you may not have a server, but you've got to have uh, a lot of the networking equipment, you've got to have the backup equipment, and nowadays with uh, cybersecurity as bad as it is, um, you need um, business class firewalls and all of the constant monitoring to make sure your, your systems are safe and secure. So mm -hmm. even though the end user doesn't see, he just calls the help guy and says, can you help me with my computer? The managers know what it takes in the background to, uh, to make IT successful in a business. I have a question. Um, just to backtrack a little bit, you said you were in a shared office space and uh, you know, I guess, uh, and, and it's, uh, I think, comforting to hear that you guys started in your basement because uh, we're, um, that's where we are. Sure. Uh, and you know, a lot of, well, at least the admin stuff and the background editing, but when it comes to shooting and that kind of thing, we're always mostly on location, but um, you know, we're kind of steadily expanding with more people and and you know that room down downstairs our little den is getting very warm mm -hmm. and um, you know one of the things that we've considered in looking for office space is you know a shared office space so I guess out of curiosity back then like what were you paying uh, what was it what did it cost for you at that time I don't have a clue you don't remember no okay. and so. and the reason is is that I wasn't handling the right. administration side okay. of things so we had uh, one of our partners at the time handled all the administration right. things, and and probably I, you know, I yeah. knew what uh, yeah. what we were paying, um, but it was in the area of I think a hundred to two to two hundred and fifty dollars yeah. a month. It was in that range. Okay. It wasn't thousands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, I guess another a couple questions that came up, but you said you kind of grew from one office to two offices. So what what was it in that time that allowed you to to grow, you know, was it, yeah, you mentioned referrals and stuff, but how did you scale it to have two offices and three offices, essentially more people and assuming more business came? Like what was, how did you do that? Yeah, absolutely. We didn't add office space simply so we could add office space. <laughs> yeah. We added office space because we needed it. Why right. did we need it? We had more business coming in and we started to have, um, you know, employees or, or people that would work with us, you know, mm -hmm. we started with, um, rather than having uh, employees, we started mm -hmm. with people that were, you know, contractors that would come and help us out, but they needed a place to work. So, I mean, the driving reason for additional office space is so that we could do all the traditional business office type things, have a good administration center, be able to meet uh, not only with, um, you know, our colleagues and our employees or contractors, but also a place where we could, you know, meet with staff. Or if we were going to do a little bit of remote support as best we could, well, the tech needed a place to sit down and turn mm -hmm. on his computer and, and offer that support. Mm -hmm. So so having uh, office space mm -hmm. and adding more offices was a consequence of having just more business to mm -hmm. do. You know, we had more clients. How did you get those clients? You, is it was it referral based? It was mainly? all referral all based. Referral. Yeah, we had virtually okay. no marketing at that point. Right. Um, you know, we we weren't out advertising yeah. or dropping off flyers or sending mailers. It was simply word of mouth. Right. You know, so I think we were fortunate that back in the early days uh, we tapped into a market. Um, that was underserved or mm. wasn't being served correctly. So uh, we didn't know this at the time. You know, you, you just right. stumble into these opportunities. But we were very careful in being able to nurture every opportunity that we've got to try to convert an opportunity into a client. Right. And you'd mentioned, too, you may have uh, sort of hit the, kind of maybe hit the gold mine a little bit. Like you said, it was you know, the, the, the industry or community was ever, whatever was, was underserved. But you'd also mentioned... Things were a lot simpler back then, but then all of a sudden, IT becomes really complicated because now, you know, not only not only is there just you know the, the three main desktops in a in a facility, but now there's you know personal computing, and then there's the cell phones, and then there's the network. So, did you just find that like all of a sudden you're, you know, just overnight kind of thing, your ten thousand dollar 
projects is to put a number on it just like all of a sudden grew to 50,000 because you're just like well there's just so much more to deal with well uh yes and no the 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 tendency is to think it was an overnight transition but mm -hmm. it wasn't mm -hmm. it was very slow and very gradual and you've got to understand municipalities are not early adopters of technology mm -hmm. um you know they're they're trying to be responsible to their ratepayers uh, to their constituents so they tend to move a little bit slower. And that, in fact, was an advantage for us mm -hmm. because we knew what technology they were going to be faced with years before they were actually faced with it. So we were able to come in and predict and say, well, you know, in a couple of years, you're going to be faced with dealing with this, uh, Mr. Municipality. So maybe now is the time to start planning it. And so early on, we would go to technology conferences mm -hmm. where the latest technology was being introduced. And we'd be able to identify and say, our clients will be using that in two or three years. And so then there was lots of lead times for our clients, uh, and we would slowly help them adopt right. some of this new technology. But just like anything else, it, it builds on itself over time. Right. And so... Um, so budgets, if we had our myth, myth, uh, mythological $10,000 yeah. budget, next year it was twelve five, and then it was fifteen, yeah. and then it might have yeah. been 20 yeah. and slowly it grows to yeah. you know, what it is today. Yeah, yeah, and I'm definitely oversimplifying when I say that, but I'm just, you know, I think uh, I, I hear you know, a lot of people, and maybe this is always the case when hindsight's sort of twenty twenty. it's just like, oh, had I known, I would have, gotten into IT earlier I would have gotten into you know website development or things like that because um, you know people who did get in at uh, you know I don't know what you call the dot-com era or the turn of the century turn of the millennia it's like you know when they like for example search engine optimization for people that learn how to build websites and just stuff keywords in their website you know they were successful very early on getting ranked well and you know their business their success of their business is very largely based on just being at the right place at the right time so i guess that's my question was do you feel that like the growth of your business was just a kind of a byproduct too of of, of just being in the right place at the right time i don't think so um and the uh, the reason i say this is that if you look at any industry I don't care if it's IT or building cars or um, you know selling tomatoes or whatever. It doesn't make any difference. There's always new opportunity available. For example, I just read the other day that um, agriculture, you know, is going to be the up and coming thing. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason is is that there's simply more people in the world to feed, mm -hmm. and that Canada could be poised to be a world leader in what they call the fourth wave of agriculture. Mm. Well, agriculture has been around for centuries. And so to be able to say you're at the right place at the right time on yeah. any given industry, it just doesn't make any difference. Right. It's what you make of the opportunities that are presented to you right. and then how you, um, how you implement your solution for yeah. them. That's going to drive the yeah. growth of your business, not being lucky. No, I like that. And, uh, um, and I think tech, you know, really technology has served uh, its purposes in every, I think, you know, the growth and opportunity in every business. And I, when you think of agriculture, I think of, you know, the, the, the machinery and technology around that and making those processes more efficient, making it easier, you know, and, you know, even farmers now are getting websites and, you know, trying to promote their and uh, market their different uh, processes and technologies and ways that they're making things efficient so mm -hmm. that's good so you started primarily doing like all word of mouth kind of business mm -hmm. have you found that that has changed a lot I think we're probably more sophisticated now in our marketing um, I mean years ago before Chris joined us uh, we did have a, um, a marketing assistant working with us so this was a person who would come on um, and they were a staff member and they would do some very low-level marketing things for us um, you know help us uh, develop brochures and mail them out 
um, all the traditional marketing things help us go to trade shows you know where um, municipal leaders um, you know congregate and uh, go to get information um, so they would help us organize those things but I think our marketing now uh, has grown more sophisticated um, and more targeted and so now with Chris involved and what have you been with us two years now three years, three years. time flies when you're having fun eh, yes, yeah, right yeah. so um, we're much more focused and deliberate in our marketing efforts now than we were in the early years. But some things haven't changed. Still word of mouth is, uh, is very important to us, but we're um, more conscious of nurturing that word of mouth mm -hmm. um, and then uh, utilizing our benefits, uh, which now, from a marketing perspective, are um, leaders in a a segment of uh, municipal government IT, you know, we're, uh, we're probably uh, the number one go-to IT company for uh, municipalities in Alberta. We utilize that, we utilize our history, we utilize our heritage. We can point back to almost day one of the company and clients that are still with us. And we can point back to them and say, you know, well, we've been doing a good job for these people for, for 20 years, and they're still with us, and we're still helping them move their technology forward. So, so we're much more focused in our marketing. So then with your experience, because like a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs or small business owners, and like that's kind of something that we like really like to target with this podcast is those entrepreneurs and small business owners. So what advice would you give someone who is struggling maybe with trying to market themselves and just like, like what would you suggest to them? Sure. For it? Um, and the advice I'm going to give might be tough um, to do. Um, first off, there's no secret sauce. There is no, if you only do this, you know, you're going to be successful, especially in the marketing area. The number one thing that we have found is you need to understand your corporate culture. So what makes your company um, unique, but also what, um, what is within your company that um, you want others to know and share with them. So you, understanding your corporate culture is extremely important. And I don't care if you're in the service industry, I don't care if you're selling potato chips. You need to understand what your corporate culture is and how that's going to be reflected to the clients that you want to, to gain. Because in the final analysis, you are selling or marketing either a service or a product to people. And so it, you don't sell um, products and services to um, uh, something that's not a person. Every place a person is going to be using what you have given them or sold to them. So if you understand your corporate culture, in other words, what makes your company unique from a person perspective, um, are you fun-loving? Are you technology leaders? Are you serious? Because mm -hmm. the work that you do is very mm -hmm. serious. Um, are you innovative? Mm -hmm. You know, because the, what you're selling is innovation, and so you need to be leaders in being um, innovative. What is your corporate culture? Because you will attract clients that are attracted to your corporate culture. You're not going to be able to sell everything to everybody. So you need to figure out what you are best at, what you are like, what you like people to be, and you will attract those because you will then know what kind of client you like to deal with. Do you like to deal with clients that are innovative or risk takers or very conservative in how they approach their businesses? And so knowing your culture and matching your culture to your client's culture is going to be successful for you. Yeah. Uh, we had a, a 
No, I think that's really that's really pointed, poignant, poignant, uh, you know, for us too at this time because, um, you know, I think and you could probably attest to this. It sounds like, you know, the realization I guess that we've had is like no matter, you know, I don't know if you guys are, yeah, have read the Bible before. Oh yes. <laughs> right? So, um, what is it when it? Uh, and I think maybe it's. Uh, in Corinthians, I think, chapter 13, where it's talking about, uh, you know, tinkling, tinkling brass, you know, sound of a, basically, um, it's like, no matter how, uh, no matter what you do, no matter, and this is sort of in reference, I think it's about charity, mm-hmm. is no matter what you do, um, you can be the most knowledgeable, the best at this, you can give money to the poor, if you don't do it with charity, it, it means nothing. Like if it lacks the pure love, you know, and in this case of Christ, and I'm sort of getting really deep here, but it's I'm gonna circle back. It's gonna make I'm gonna make a point of it. Is really you're just you're just uh, you're just you're a tink. I, I wish I should. I don't know if you could find this the scripture for me. It's, I think it's in Corinthians. Just put in like tinkling, tinkling brass or something. <laughs> but the point is, is like. You can make all the really if you do it without that love, all of it's just noise. Mm-hmm. And so what I've learned is that, as a photographer, even if I just come in and do photos, or if I do, you know, whatever said marketing is, I do SEO or I build them a website. If I don't identify what their brand is mm-hmm. and what their identity is, mm-hmm. really, what you're talking about is the corporate culture. Yeah. If I don't identify that then I can't really do anything for them because that, whatever that is I create, has to be full of the, the person's or the company's true corporate culture and identity, right? Yeah. And so it's kind of like, um, you know, we can replace the charity or pure love of Christ with just the love of self or just you know, purity or authenticity just in general. Mm-hmm. So if we can identify, and if you can identify, and I think this is com- these are companies' biggest set fallbacks, is that they get caught up in the mechanics of what they do, and they forget kind of who they are and why they do it. And I think that if, the, if, so what I've realized is that before I can do any kind of marketing task for somebody, I think it's important to go back and say, you know, who are you, what is your brand? And if they don't know that, they don't need photos then right now. What they need is, you know, help with their identity and their brand, their culture. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what you guys have done so well is that there is that definitive. And I, and I guess I wanted to just go back a little bit because to me, it sounds like, you know, when I hear and I see the growth of your business and, and the development of your business, and I've only known you guys for a couple of years, but even if I look back, and interpret what you've done for 21 years and, and I and I hear that like you had you know you started out with a group of people uh, partners you know one was two tech guys and one was really good at admin and everything kind of grew from this uh, embryo of, of like pure I don't know what it is faith or desire to, to serve or to mm-hmm. to to provide a product so I guess like what I want to kind of convert this into as a question is how did you know maybe in the beginning what it was you were good at or what you wanted to do and how how was the relate how did that relationship uh, manifest itself like how were you able to do that with a group of people group of does that does that make sense sure it does yeah the, the simple answer is we didn't have a clue at the beginning okay and that's yeah. We probably stumbled around, quote unquote, in the wilderness mm. uh, for a number of years, um, not knowing what we were about, okay, um, yeah, and what made uh, Trinus Trinus. Trinus. Um, and I think it's only probably about halfway through the period. So maybe by the time we were nine or ten, we started to understand. And mm. for me, it came when we started to add more staff members Um, and always we wanted to treat our staff members with kindness 
and with respect, recognizing and knowing that they had families behind them, they had their own personal struggles, and we always defaulted to trying to help them, trying to make their lives a little easier or a little better. Um, and I'm not talking necessarily mon monetary mm -hmm. or you know, through career advancement or anything of that nature, but making them better people um, and trying to help them. And I think it started to dawn on us as founding partners that that's what we're about, is we want to be kind to people, especially the people that we know um, and can help. And I think that's what manifests then our, yeah. our corporate culture. No, I, I love that because that's a bit of a realization that I've had is that, you know, you know, for a while they were like, okay, what are our, you know, values or what's our corporate culture? And, you know, we were sort of plastering this photo, video design and like innovative solutions and these words that I think people wanted to hear, you know, the what. And then I think like now it's become so much more. It's become like we're still figuring it out for ourselves really. And it's really comforting to hear that because you look at businesses and you kind of think like, oh man, they, they got it good. Like they got it made. But what we don't realize is that, you know, there were, there are struggles to kind of discover that identity. But what we've learned is that, you know, through our identity crisis or through our trying to discover who we are, mm -hmm. that's opened up our understanding of what we want to do. And so we're not just about photo video design, we're about, who are you like what is your you know what is your value that you're offering what are you good at and like we want to help people with that and so framing your our language now around that value rather than photo video design or creative communications consultants or whatever the case is that might be the what we do but more of like really the true what it comes down to is you know the cult the company culture really derives from the individual's, you know, core deep feelings and emotions. Sure. Right? Yeah, and you're absolutely right. It's not what are you selling, what's the product, but what is the benefit of, you know, your service. So how is um, a, a customer or a client going to be better off if they use you? Yeah. So be it web design, be it SEO, be it photography, be it video, if you can help them cast a vision for how that will help them mm -hmm. in their struggles, mm -hmm. then you're gonna be more successful. Um, and just getting back to the corporate culture, we go out of our way um, to try to make our employees comfortable. In fact, just this morning, uh, one of our uh, account managers um, has his family in here. He mm. emailed me this morning and said, hey, I got an opportunity. My two young sons are going to come and it's going to be a field trip mm -hmm. for them. And so guess what? Uh, you know, he's got uh, a four-year-old and a three-year-old in there uh, yeah. in his office right now and they're just hanging mm. out and his wife is there and we welcome that. That's yeah. just great. Everyone's yeah. kind of stopping yeah. and saying hello yeah. And, yeah. and really rejoices. We've been through with several of our um, staff members uh, struggles, heartaches, um, you know, there's been medical conditions where people, you know, serious ones where, gee, right. people have, you know, really struggled and we've tried to help them with that. Or a family member has died uh, unexpectedly. You know, we want to be sympathetic to them and, and try to help them through, you know, that grief that they're, they're experiencing. And so we, we practice it daily internally. And now we are starting to help our customers the same way. So we go deep with our customers, not just, mm -hmm. hey, you know, we sold you a couple of computers and I hope they're working for you, good mm -hmm. luck with that, call us the next time you need mm -hmm. more computers. Uh-uh, that's not us. We go deep with our clients. So we are looking for what we call wow moments now, where we have actually have our staff trained to listen for opportunities. So if a text on the uh, a help desk call uh, with a client and you know, they, they get wind of, oh, gee, um, you know, my, you know, somebody in my family passed away or, gee, I'm going to be off for the next six weeks because I have to go in for some radiation treatment. Oh, you know, gee, tell me a bit more. 
we will take that information, the tech will pass it off to Chris or somebody else on, uh, on the management team, and then we will go and we will try to inject something into their life. We've bought gift baskets for people. We've bought them gift cards so that they could go to the restaurant instead of having to cook a meal for their family at home. Um, we've, uh, gosh, Chris, what are Technology, we uh, Technology, flower bouquets, yeah. uh, candy, you know, stress-free, stress-free I treats, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Yes. Just, just to help them, you know, yeah. uh, help, a, help an individual yeah. within an organization because they're going through a rough yeah. time. Go deep with the client. And that really, um, sure, there's, uh, there's benefit to the company. Um, mm-hmm. In that, uh, you know, we might gain a bit more business, but really we've helped somebody mm-hmm. um, on the other end of that mm-hmm. phone call, mm-hmm. you know, with um, a struggle that they're going through. And that's a projection of how employees are treated at Trinos. That's the way we treat our customers. Right. The same love we have for our employees, we have for our customers. Yeah. And, it's, and if I may pitch in yeah. about, about the identity, it's, it's critical to know your DNA. When, you're, when you know what your company's DNA is, and, and you can project that outside to, to the clients mm-hmm. or potential customers, mm-hmm. then that's a win-win situation yeah. for both the company and, and yeah. the client. If, if you do yeah. not know your DNA, if you don't, if you don't have yeah. a clue, if you, or if you're a little lost as to what it, your identity is, it's going to be very, very difficult for you to, yeah. know, to manifest that, let alone uh, garner uh, clientele. Yeah. Let me give you an example. Um, as account managers, you go out there and you're, you're expected to carry a few gifts with you, some swag or, you know, a little uh, box of donuts or something like when you go into a client's place. Uh, that's expected from a, an account manager. You know, it's, it's quote unquote, it's the sales call, if you will. But what we do is when the tech goes on site to actually, you know, perform some service for a client or install a new piece of gear or what have you, the tech hardly ever went with anything. Hey, you're just the tech. You know, I don't notice you. Just get in the back room, do what you mm-hmm. need to do. You know, we're all busy here, so on and so forth. So uh, Chris came up with this idea of I treats. And so what this is, is stress-free. Stress-free. Because your motto is stress-free, stress-free IT. IT. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what we do is we take a computer box, oh, a box nice. that a computer came in, okay? Um, and we pack it full of some candies and a little bit, and we've got a little thank you card in there. And we close it all up and we put a sticker on the thing that says stress-free eye treats. And the tech takes these things out and drops them off there. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, it was a bit of an experiment. We didn't know how this was going to be received. And so we sent one out the other day, um, our first one, if you will. And within a minute of that being dropped off at the clients by the tech, I got an email from them. And it was, Wow. I can't believe you guys just treated us to a whole bunch of candy. Everyone loves it. Yeah. And so, again, just a little yeah. something to touch the people yeah. that are there. Going the extra inch. Well, and, it, and it's, right it's very you, right? It's very you. And, like, I really like, and maybe I'll get you to read that uh, thing here in a second. But what you said is exactly what I was getting at is knowing the DNA. I love how you use the DNA because it's kind of like if you're a, per, you know, everyone's a unique person. And your best self is your authentic self. And I mean, we're all trying to figure that out who we are, but you know when you're not being yourself or someone's not being themselves and it doesn't come across quite right. They might be doing the things that other people are doing or saying the things that people are saying, but you're just like, it's not really you. But when someone is themselves purely, that's when they're providing the most value to the world. And when other people feel that, and then they in a way have permission to be themselves. So. I think it's no different in business, and I like that you tied it to, you know, the company culture is both internal, but it's also external, and and so I guess I'll just get turned to, did you find the scripture? Is this the right one? If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, yes. I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Yeah, so, yeah, so if you guys, like, anybody can take take a gift or take treats, but I think what... You know, again, there's if you're doing or, or market or serve somebody or, or perform a great service, but if you're doing that without that pure intent, without that 
you know, that uh, that uh, want of getting a wow moment. Yeah, and that authenticity of in the company culture, the authenticity of what you guys are about, and and that flows into you creating a very unique idea to deliver a treat. You know, that just that flows all the way through, and then it comes back to you, right? It ultimately does come back to you in in the way the clients respond, nurturing that relationship, and getting business. I think in growing your business. Yeah. So. No, that's awesome. Um, I think that, yeah, that, like, whole, that, all of that was, like, fantastic. And I think that anyone listening to that should really try to, to resonate with it and, like, try to imply it somehow. Because, like, I've worked at several different businesses and some have been really successful and some have been not so successful. And it's, I always find that it comes down to like the people. It always comes down to the manager, the boss, or the the staff if they enjoy it and stuff like that. So having having that like oh as soon as you walk in the door you're treated as our family kind of mentality I really like and that's like means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, most people like it, but it's not all. It's not for every business. Mm-hmm. Depends on the type of business mm-hmm. that you're in, of course, mm-hmm. and. Um, it depends on what leadership right. want to project. Yep. What's the goal of our business right. here? Like I say, so I mean, we as it sounds a, a bit strange as a, t- a technology company. You know, we're a bit touchy feely. Yeah. You know, and, and very personable. Um, yeah. But uh, it Versus, might be serious. I mean, right. we might be in a yeah. very serious industry. Yeah. Um, a, a medical industry. Yeah. You want? Uh, I want yeah. my doctor yeah. or my surgeon. Be yeah. a serious guy. I don't want you know him to be yeah. bringing in boxes of candy. Yeah. No, I want something yeah. better. You know. Yeah. So it depends on the business yeah, that you're in, sure. but you have to identify what it is what it and is. know what it is. And you're right. Be true to yourself. True to yourself. And and that's the direction that you want to go. Yeah. And that and that's the best way. I mean, like you said, even if the person's, you know, we all love those people. Uh, uh, we had a dance. I was in a dance class with, uh, I was learning salsa with my wife, and the teacher was very serious, you know, and almost like quirky, like just not, you know, not really outgoing or fun or anything. But I don't know. He was. I just knew he was being himself, mm-hmm. and I loved him. Like I just, I found him so amusing and so fun. And then when he did break character, or when he did, when he was a little bit more humorous at times. You know, it was, I just appreciated that much more. But anyway, yeah, so I think that authenticity, regardless of what it is, is, is the important factor. So just getting back to Trinus, mm-hmm. um, like your guys' logo and everything like I is awesome, and your slogan of the stress-free IT. Mm-hmm. Um, As well, lost in, uh, lost in cyberspace. Lost in cyberspace. Not you guys. No, you're not lost. In yeah. <laughs> or, or are you lost in cyberspace? Some days we are. <laughs> That's why there's a question mark. Lost in cyberspace? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, so, just where did the name Trinus come from? Is like the tri because of the three people who started? or? I wish I could tell you there's some deep philosophical uh, soul searching exercise that we went through and then the epiphany was there. It wasn't. Um, you just like pick letters and. Well. <laughs> One of our partners, uh, uh, he's no longer with the company, um, but he was just doing some searching and just, okay, well, maybe this name. And the try kind of fit, but that certainly wasn't a conscious part of it. But then at the time, uh, he performed what research he could, and it wasn't being used anywhere. And, okay. Yeah. Sounds good to us. Like we're unique. No one else is called trying. Trying so we could find out. Just available kind of searching the worldwide interweb at that point. You know, wasn't very sophisticated, of course. And so uh, yeah, so he just kind of came across it. He says, "What about this name?" And we all said, "Yeah, sure. Sounds good to us." (laughs) That's so funny because like yeah, like for us, like we've been kind of like going back and forth on like what to call the company. Like, should we do? Brock Crichton Photography, which Brock has been doing for a number of years. Should we do uh, just Crichton as just the name or like Crichton Photography or Crichton Photo Video Design? Or should we do Crichton Creative, which um, is another business that Brock has? Or like, which one should we do? So it's like very like, 
I don't know, this is like one of the things that's kind of always on my mind. It's like, man, like, how do these companies come up with or like find these names and having you guys just kind of happen upon it is, sure. doesn't help at all, but yeah. it's very, I love, love yeah. the story. How about the criteria with a K? I would caution against long names. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because typically a long name, if you put, here's what we do, it kind of buttonholes you. Yeah. Just saying, totally. okay, if it if it's going to be video, yeah, you know, Crichton video, and your video, then that's what you yeah. are. And yeah. If you want to do something different, well, that's, it's tough. That's, that's why we're dropping. Yeah. Well, we've evolved from you know I've, I was Brock Crichton photography, but we dropped the photography and dropped Brock just to be Crichton because sure. we you know we want to broaden broaden it, and I want it. I want to involve more people, so I don't want it just to be you know, Brock Crichton or no. whatever, Vera Wang or Elizabeth Arden. Like Crichton I want multimedia to, or something like that. Well, yeah, and then putting, Crichton. so we, we've, we've talked about it and I do have a corporation that I, that's uh, a whole other story, but, you know, we've looked at Crichton Creative just because it's got a nice ring to it and Creative, you know, does sort of express a multitude of things. Um, but anyway, yeah, so it's, uh, it's always interesting to hear about uh, the birth of a company and how and how they've evolved and and I guess um, I've got a couple more questions for you and, and this we go let's on that note going back to sort of the conception of the business and you had talked about there were three of you so um, can you t- like what was can you tell me more of the circumstance of that like uh, you know everything from you know who was getting paid at that time with three businesses like what was the investment like for the three and, and how did that evolve and how did you make that work um, you know because again I'm in a similar situation where you know it's it's one of those things where you know do you hire people or can you maybe make them a part of the business as a partner to you know uh, get that commitment level or to get that in Maybe it's not necessarily a monetary investment that you need, but just being able to get a time commitment from somebody or a, a service from somebody, but not necessarily have to compensate them monetarily at the beginning. So sure. I'm just, yeah, I'm curious to know what that was like. Okay, well, there's a couple of thoughts. Uh, first, try to answer your question, who was getting paid? No one was getting paid. So, <laughs> okay. And that's, that's yeah. very uh, common in, in small startups um, yeah. because there's simply not the cash flow. Um, we made a conscious decision uh, when we came together as, as the three of us um, that we weren't going to be uh, go heavily in debt. And so we did not start with you know, huge cash injections, be either personal or through bank loans and what have you. Oh, heck, uh, let's just be honest, no one, gonna, no one lends money to <laughs> yeah. a, a startup, you yeah. know, no matter how good your idea yeah. is. Yeah. Um, so, so we've always uh, been self-financed, and uh, even to today, you know, we have, um, I think, just a small um, operating line of credit, you know, just for daily bank balances and that type of thing. But everything else then is just, um, you know, self-financed. That had some advantages for us because um, when you start a business, the vision is always grand. And the tendency is mm-hmm. to expand beyond really where the business growth is at um, by uh, using money that's not your own. So spending somebody else's money is easy. Paying it back <laughs> is the difficult part. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of businesses get themselves in trouble uh, by spending money that they don't have um, and trying to implement business ideas that maybe weren't very well thought out. And so then they get themselves in trouble or they get themselves buttonholed. So we were always pay-as-you-go. And so uh, we always tried to reinvest back into the company. And so if we were had uh, successful in getting a client and maybe doing a nice job for them, okay, great. So then we got paid for it. Sure, we paid ourselves a little bit, but we didn't try to get rich at that point. And we always reinvested back in. And that's the key to us in having one of the partners very strong in the administration side, in that she didn't care about the technology or care about our grand ideas. She cared about mm-hmm. you know, the, the dollars and the cents. 
And so that always brought a sense of reality back to us um, to be able to say, well, here's what we can do. Here's what is within our means mm-hmm. as the next step that we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was excellent and still is excellent is maintaining tight financial controls mm-hmm. in a business. And that's key for a small startup business is tight financial controls. And so you need it. You've got to have it. Now, whether that's a partner or whether that's somebody that you hire as a, as a trusted advisor that comes in, a bookkeeper, whatever it happens yeah. to be. But hiring a bookkeeper yeah. is different than having a partner who can speak directly into the direction that the money is spent. A bookkeeper right. yeah. will simply tell you where you're at, yeah. and but it's still up to you as to where you're gonna spend the money. Right. But as a partner who then can say, no, we don't have the money to do this, but we can do something over here, that is within our budget is is, mm-hmm. is crucial. Mm-hmm. Now you said something else about, well, should we uh, build our business by including additional partners or giving away bits of the company mm-hmm. and what mm-hmm. have you? And this really depends on what your vision is for the company. So if your vision in, in 10 years, we're gonna be here, 20 years, we're gonna be here, so on and so forth. When you give away a portion of a small business to start with, is something small but if the business is successful and in 10 or 20 years that little bit has grown into be something huge and so you need to be prepared to think about that and accept that that you may be given away a small part of your company to have a key person come on board are you willing to be quote-unquote married to this person for the life of the business whatever that happens to be and are, can you accept in your heart as a founder that you gave away a critical part of your business that in future years could be worth a huge uh, sum of money, a huge investment? So I would just be cautious about doing that. There's all sorts of ways that you can get around it. Profit sharing is a, is a popular way. So. Um, even though I might not be able to offer you a full wage right now, if I offer you a small wage and we're share year to year in a portion of um, you know, our success, that's different than giving away ownership. So be careful about bringing on shareholders as a method to um, circumvent wages, if you will, and think of other ways then to be able to reward people who are in your business at the beginning, but who may not be there at the end. Really good advice. Um, really good advice. So I guess that begs maybe my final question then. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, this might be a two part, but so then given uh, that, you know, uh, where you were and kind of where you are, uh, you know, what is now, what's your guys' future? What? Okay, well, uh, good question. So we started with three and we went down to two partners, uh, myself and our administrator, Cheryl, uh, still with the company. Um, It has been a bit of serendipity that my son um, now has a very strong interest in um, technology and works in the business. And Cheryl's daughter has a very strong interest in the business and the administration side. So um, both Cheryl and I, as the founding partners, um, we now have four partners in the business. Uh, Myself, Cheryl, uh, Cheryl's uh, daughter, Linda, and my son, Kevin. And so the old guard is slowly fading into the background Mm -hmm. while the new guard, the young guns, Mm -hmm. come in and take the business in a different direction. And so we have a, uh, a business continuity strategy um, and succession plan in place. And uh, it's gonna run for about five years, maybe a little bit longer. And it's, uh, it's very conscious that uh, Cheryl and I are slowly starting to back away as Kevin and Linda take more and more responsibility within the company. And so eventually, um, you know, probably within five, maybe seven years, Cheryl and I will be out totally. Maybe we'll still be directors, you know, help guide the company, but very much it'll be Kevin and Linda's uh, business to to carry on. Mm -hmm. And what
what are their plans? You'd have to ask them. I'm not exactly sure whether at all. Very fair. Be our next interview. Yeah, and I'm kidding. <laughs> the next generation. Um, okay, well, we are almost out of time. You guys have been awesome. Thank you so much for answering all of our questions. I think we just have one final question, which Brock kind of gave you a preview to. And that is, what is your favorite movie? Chris, what's your favorite movie? I've got two favorite movies. Um, Chariots of Fire is one. And it's a metaphor in my mind to uh, never, never uh, give up your your own um, convictions. Uh, stick to your guns in, in, in the face of phenomenal or formidable adversity, no matter what. And my other favorite movie is Groundhog Day, mm-hmm. yeah, which is also in my mind a metaphor for uh, you know, uh, no matter how many times. You, you fail, continue until you make it right. So failure is always, the opportunity, is always a door to opportunity to make it better and to finally triumph. I've never actually looked at Groundhog Day like that before. Mm-hmm. It gives a whole new meaning to I it. Mean, I haven't really seen cool. both either of those movies, which is probably uh, you know, <laughs> sacrilegious in this, in this room. Yeah. But uh, Dave, you're so My favorite movie, uh, I, I could speak to two, but I'll tell you about the one American Graffiti. Oh, okay. I don't know if you've ever seen this movie, uh, but it is a story of um, uh, youth and uh, exuberance uh, back in the early 60s. And uh, it was uh, centered around uh, Southern California uh, about these uh, high school students that had just graduated and some were going off to college. So it speaks a lot about the aspirations of, mm-hmm. of youth and uh, what is uh, the future uh, direction going to be? But more than that, I was um, probably lagging that generation a little bit in time. But I always, as a really young guy, looked to the, the whole Southern California um, racing hot car scenes and that whole um, uh, era. And so I just loved that movie uh, for not only... Uh, the setting that it is, you know, and the street racing and the hot hot rods and uh, the drive-ins and, and all that other type of stuff, but also what it says about life and uh, people that are coming out of school, out of education, have their whole uh, lives in front of them and what uh, career paths do they choose? What do they choose to do with their lives? So, yeah, just a great movie. I haven't um, seen any of those, so that oh, it makes it a little anticlimactic. Well, I know but, what we're going to do. But I've listed, I've listed them to be able to watch them. I just have one... Other questions. Oh, and the soundtrack to the American Graffiti. Graffiti. I think oh, it, I think American Graffiti. It was music of that time. But it was George Lucas's first movie. Yeah, did not know that. Yeah. Ron Howard was in it. Really? Ron Howard was in it. Okay. Harrison Ford was in it. Oh, man. Uh, oh, it has a lot of up-and-coming stars. I was yeah. going to say. And it depicts a bit of a surfing scene. But from the late yeah, there's Lucas, yeah. Which was huge in California. I think it's on, uh, I was reading an IMDb. IMDb top 100 like movie list. I'm pretty sure it's on there. For American oh, yeah. and that name is like r- rings a bell, but I've never, yeah, I've never so seen it. He, have to he it made out. that movie on a shoestring budget back mm. in the days. It was it was like a nine hundred thousand dollars or something like that. He made that movie in, and it was one of the top producing movies uh, in its day. We were just talking about that in our last podcast episode. Yeah, on the production value and. If you need a big budget or high production to make a decent film, yeah, yeah, yeah. which, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I don't know if it leads into my my last question. Um, but in terms of uh, uh, the, talking about the future and the future of technology, um, you know, do you guys have any insights or intel on you know any movements for the future? I, I mean, you know, there's you know we talk about. You know, one one idea I had is, uh, I guess, talking about movies is like, could it be that movies become, you know, kind of all virtual reality, where instead of you watching screen, you're you're actually experiencing the movie. You can look 360 all around you. I'm just curious. Do you, do you know of any any things, or because you had said you you can pinpoint. I mean, we're a bit ahead of the curve in society. In terms of knowing what technology is out there, more so than like you said, municipalities. But 
being that you're in IT and, and this is in computers and that kind of thing, do you, you know, do you have any foresight into some of the with the way like the current trends are moving? Yeah, like, like with do you like even foresee Tesla like, and like things? this is kind of an out there question, but you know, just with all those, you know, I don't know if you heard of Neuralink, mm -hmm. the Tesla. I don't know, just. Oh, yeah. Is that stuff like? I mean, this might be a whole different conversation, and I might be opening a huge can of worms. Have you guys read so, uh, or so watched uh, for, uh, Fahrenheit 451? What's it called? Ray Bradbury's uh, book. Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit 451. There was a movie made in the, in the mid 60s as yeah. well, mm -hmm. in which uh, the viewers become protagonists of, of a movie or, or, a, or even a sitcom or something. Mm -hmm. So the, the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? So maybe, maybe that's the future. You know, the you know keep it brief because I know that we could go way off on <laughs> this. This could but be like a, this could be another and, hour. Yeah, and you could, you could say no comment <laughs> and just leave it. So what do you know? We're excited about the future. Yeah. For sure. We love, we love everything futuristic. Yeah. And anybody that says, they, oh, I know what the future of technology is going to be or the future that society is going, they're lying to you. Absolutely. It's just somebody's best guess, yeah. of course. So... Um, I, I recently wrote a blog article, um, and I, I dug up a title uh, from a Charles Dickens book back in the 1700s, 1800s, um, The Tale of Two Cities. And the opening line from that is, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom, it was the age of foolishness. And that describes where our technology is today, very happily. So it, it appears to be an age of wisdom in that we have all of this sophistication that surrounds us um, and um, it is altering how we function as human beings, as people. Um, but it's also the age of foolishness, uh, in my mind at least, in that um, the things that we are using technology for are for foolish endeavors and foolish things. And I do get concerned about where does this lead. Um, neural implants certainly are around the corner. Um, so the, there's a blurring between um, what a person is as a human being versus what um, technology augmentation is going to do that is going to then alter people's view of reality, what is real and what is not real. We're already starting to see this, and frankly, it concerns me. I'm also very concerned about um, the amount of data that is being gathered about us as individuals. I'm a, a privacy freak when it comes to this stuff. Um, and mm. uh, I think with good reason because I think the amount of data that is being gathered about us is being used to control us in ways that we don't understand. And so I, I'm very concerned about Technology companies now, uh, while they've been silos and in gathering information about us, they're starting to share this information in the background. Um, and so they're building vast dossiers on each and every person. And with the technology that's available, um, they can store that information, but they can also analyze and process it. And I don't necessarily mm -hmm. want that type of information about me somebody mm -hmm. that I don't trust. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very concerned about where this is going to be going mm -hmm. in the future. Even like social media companies are using yeah. technology in an well, abusive manner. Even like invasive but intruding manner. Looking at it in like that the smallest yeah, looking at it like the smallest scale, like if you like Google something like, oh, like you're looking for like new shoes or whatever, and then on Facebook you start getting advertisements for well, all Well not even that, but I've had it where you like, are talking about something with somebody. And then, you know, you're going through your Google News Feed or whatever, and there's, like, the exact... Yeah. And you're like, I didn't... Yeah, you're like, well, I didn't search that. Yeah. And I wasn't on the phone. I wasn't recording anything. But it was... It, it, you know, I think that, obviously, like, they could access, you know, the microphone of this just to be capturing data and then targeting me, right? The, the common fallacy nowadays is that I use the Google search engine and I put something in and it's agnostic. It shows me all the various results ranked according to how Google want to do it. But that's not true. They are showing you things that 
you want to see based on their mm -hmm. dossier, their past mm -hmm. history of mm -hmm. the information of things that you've searched in the past, mm -hmm. but now also the Facebook information, the information from Amazon um, about what you bought from Safeway when you use your Air, Air Miles card, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. All of this information mm -hmm. is being processed in real time in the background to show you what they think you want. Well, I want to know. I want to think about what I want. I don't want Google telling me that. Mm -hmm. So I, when I look at something, when I search for something, I want to know the whole story, mm. not just the part that somebody thinks I want to look thinks at. Thinks you want, yeah. Yeah. Based on the article. That's scary. Mm-hmm. No kidding. Well, I think with that, it's a pretty good time to end. Yeah, good, good luck out there, kids. Uh, Turn your phones off when you, you go to sleep. But no, if you guys, uh, yeah, if you guys have any, um, you know, questions or you want more information about uh, what Trinus does, they have a, a blog that they that you could subscribe to that uh, they put out on a weekly basis, and they could subscribe on Trinus dot dot com. Okay, yeah, and check out their website. Um, they're out here in Stony Plain, uh, so if you're ever in the neighborhood, they'd love to just to, to meet uh, to meet anybody that's interested. Guys, thanks so much for doing this. Um, honestly, it was it was a fantastic episode, and we got some really great information. I'm happy to have that on 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 in our archives now. Well, thanks very much for allowing us to come on and uh, talk. Yeah, our pleasure. Oh, our pleasure. Anytime. All right. Well, tune in. Uh, tune in next time. Thanks for listening.